everybody and welcome back to the no haters club podcast i'm your host claudia campbell if you don't know me i'm so happy you're here i am your average golden retriever girl who loves talking about jesus so today i'm so excited to be back like i took a winter break for the past probably like month i it wasn't prepared to be a month but then i ended up going to passion which if you notice my voice cracked that's why Um, I ended up going to fashion and it was so good, but I just had to take some time to recover. So anyway, regardless, I'm back. I was actually going to talk about a different subject today, but as I'm coming home from the gym, the Holy Spirit is just like, no, we're going to talk about waiting seasons. So today I am so stoked to talk about waiting seasons. If you feel like you are in a waiting room, which I have felt like, I feel like every time, every part of life, you're waiting in line for something like in some aspect of your life you're in a waiting season so anyway regardless we're going to be talking about those today especially if you're somebody who's in a waiting season when it comes to relationships valentine's day is coming up i was literally looking at all the valentine's day stuff today and i love valentine's day stuff and i have never had a valentine and i'm like you know what though like for the first time one of the first valentine's day i'm like i'm not bothered by it because i'm like okay god like He's about to bring me somebody so good, but I'm going to talk about even, like, how did I get to that point and waiting seasons in general. Like, hopefully, I want to give you guys hope for this new year. If you feel like, oh my goodness, like, I'm just starting off this new year and it really stinks. Like, I feel like I'm waiting on God for a miracle. I'm going to be so transparent with you on this podcast. Like, I also feel like that I'm, like, waiting on God for a miracle in different areas of my life. Like, I think that a lot of times there's like this stigma when you see somebody online like oh they have it all and it's all about framing too like I also know influencers and it's like that's their outlet like they're having a miserable life and they post to remind themselves that life is good so I just say that to say like some people are still waiting for their miracle even if it does it seems like that their life is perfect and you might also be somebody who's like oh my goodness I feel like my life is good I shouldn't be mad that I'm waiting, but I am mad that I'm waiting because I wish I wasn't waiting right now. And like, it's, first of all, I feel like it's so easy in waiting seasons to grow like mad at God or resentful to God and being like, God, I don't know why you're not giving me this. Like, and also, so, oh my goodness, I was walking out to the car the other day and the Holy Spirit gave me such a word. He was just like, I literally just walked outside and I said, God is good. And that's all I said. God is good. And then all of a sudden I get in the car and the Holy Spirit goes, okay, but do you really believe that? Or do you think that my goodness is tied to how perfect you are? Do you think that my goodness is tied to you reading your Bible seven days a week? Do you think that I'm only good? Do you think I'm only good whenever you're good? Do you think that my goodness is contingent upon your perfection? And I was like, oh my goodness, like hashtag convicted. Like, okay, okay, God, like that was a lot. Um, but I think that sometimes we have this idea because the church also is like, you know, whenever you're ready, God's going to give it to you. And so then a lot of people are like, well, then if I don't have it yet, then maybe that means like I'm doing something wrong and God is punishing me, whatever it is. I challenge you. Okay. So this is what I challenge you to view waiting season, not as a punishment, but as preparation. And I want you to suddenly see waiting as like, oh no, a waiting season is happening. Get excited. Because what the devil wants you to think in the waiting season is like, oh no, God doesn't have something good for me. God is withholding something from me. I'm doing something wrong, whatever it is, right? But in reality, and this is what we're going to look at in the Bible. Every time we look in the Bible at a waiting season, almost every single time a miracle happens, 
it is after a waiting season. Like, every time a waiting season happened, it's followed by a miracle. It's followed by a God moment. Every hero of the Bible, just about, that I find God uses to do something great, it's after a waiting season. I just don't think that is an accident. Like, I don't think that's an accident. So, I'm going to talk about a few different things. Um, the first one I want to talk about is in 1 Samuel, Hannah. Um, she did not, she was not able to have a kid. I feel like a lot of times waiting season is for people who are barren. And I find that that relates to me so much. Because, so here's the whole thing. And let me just, like, this, whenever I found this out, like, it started to just blow my mind, right? So, first, before I get into talking about Hannah, Zacharias, one of my favorite stories in the Bible. And you know what? Actually, I'm just going to flip there. We're just going to talk about Zacharias for a second. Because, oh my goodness, like, it, it's, it's such a good story. Elizabeth was barren, and I want you to just picture this for a minute. Like, in that culture, if you're barren, then it's like God's hand is set against you. It's kind of like, oh, well, then you must have done something to make God mad at you because if God made you barren, it's for a punishment, right? So if you were barren, you were very much looked down upon, not only because, like, that was what people did, and you were like, well, why why don't you have a kid yet? But also because, like, in their minds, if you're barren, then, like, obviously you're God's not happy with you. Like, God is punishing you. And can I just say this? Sometimes I think we operate through life and we feel social pressure by other Christians that not even God necessarily puts on us. Like we feel social pressure of like, oh my goodness, I have to get out of this waiting season. And God's like, hold up. Because did they tell you that? Or did I tell you that? And it's like, okay, that's actually a word. Like, okay, that's true. And it's hard too, because I think sometimes we look at social pressure, like, what did Job's friends, all of Job's friends who gave him awful advice, all told him, oh, God's punishing you, God's doing something mad, and that's what you'll hear from culture, if you're doing good, you'll get a good thing from God, and if you're doing bad, you'll get punished by God, and so automatically, we associate the waiting season with punishment, we associate, oh my goodness, well, maybe if I just work my way into goodness, if I just am perfect, I can work my way into a miracle, that is not how miracles work. Miracles, like I said in the Bible, they're almost always, almost always, they, they happen. Miracles always happen like after a waiting season. Okay, so I'm going to go to Zacharias. Um, I love this story because I finally understood it for the longest time. Literally, I'm telling you, struggle with your Bible passages. Struggle with the ones that don't make sense. Because at first you're going to be like, hmm, this doesn't make a lot of sense. And then you're going to understand it and it's going to blow your mind. And you're going to be like, oh my goodness. Okay, God, that makes a ton of sense. Okay, so Zacharias, I always never understood. I was like, okay, why in the world is God going to like, why in the world is God going to silence Zacharias? Just because he asked him a simple little question right? But I don't think that that's exactly what happens. In fact, so, okay, so this is Matthew. No, this is Luke 1. It says, in the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zacharias, okay? I'm going to paraphrase this a little bit. They were both righteous in the sight of God, walking blameless in all commandments and requirements of the Lord. Okay, let's just stop there. They're like the Christian you look up to most. The man or woman of God that you're like, oh my goodness, they have their act together. They're going to church. They're reading their Bible. Not to mention, they are in ministry. They are legitimately in ministry, right? So here's the deal. 
So they're in ministry, right? They're walking with God. They're, they're being children of God and they're barren. So now everybody else is looking at them and they're going, why in the world are you barren? Like, what did you do against God? Oh, like you're in ministry and God hasn't given you that yet. You're in that field and God hasn't given you that yet. And automatically there's this rub. It's like, okay, yeah, we're literally serving God, but why is it that we're not getting it? And I see this so often, people who are serving God build up resentment to God because they're like, I'm serving you. Why aren't you giving it to me? And he, and God's like, oh, because I have better and you have no clue what better is, right? And, and so often I see people who are like, God, why aren't you giving this to me? I'm so mad because you don't have it now. And he's like, why in the world are you resenting me? Did I not say that I was going to take care of you? And that the reason that you are waiting is not because I have less than you, but because I have better for you. If I have better for you, you have to take this time of waiting so that I can make a miracle that you could never possibly think or believe in. Okay, so keep going. Verse 7, it says, They had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both advanced in, ye- in years. This has been years that they've been waiting. A long time of asking God, of praying for this thing, to the point where it's about, like, I'm about to give up, God, because, like, wh- like what more do you want me to do? And I think we've all hit those breaking points in waiting seasons where it's like, God... I have gotten, I've gone to the point, I prayed, I have journaled, I have done all this stuff. What more do you want me to do? And then this is the deal. Disappointment seeps in. And I believe that more than a lot of things, disappointment can be one of the antithesis to faith. Because whenever you get disappointed, when the enemy can get you disappointed, he can get you to stop being expectant on what God can do. And whenever he gets you, stop being expectant, stop being excited on, oh my goodness, like this is how God is going to move. This is how God is going to do this. And I'm excited to see what he's going to do. When he gets you disappointed in God, then he can actually start to be like, oh, well, I doubt that God's even going to do this because he disappointed me last time. And God's like, oh, you see that as disappointment. But I see this as me making a way for a miracle and you literally have no clue. Okay, so verse 8. It happened while while he was performing his priestly service before God in the appointed order of his division. According to the custom of priestly office, he was chosen by lot to enter in the temple of the Lord. This was not by accident. This was in perfect timing, okay? So, like, this doesn't just happen to priests. Like, this was in perfect timing. It was obvious that God wanted Zacharias in there. A whole multitude of people were in prayer outside of that hour in incense offering because they know, like, if you go into the Holy of Holies and you're not fully cleansed, you don't follow the ritual, if something's wrong, right, and you're not following the procedure that God says you need to follow, you can die. And like they would tie a rope around the priest's ankle and they would pull them out if they were not like holy. If they, if, if, so they're actually like, whenever you look at theology, this is so cool. And I'll geek out of this right now. So cherubim are a type of angels that they were made to protect God's holiness. So God is holy, can't be around sin, right? And so cherubim were placed by the Holy of Holies. These same cherubim are placed outside the Garden of Eden, right? Because Garden of Eden is a place where you can walk, commune with God. They are there to, hey, you're not going in there. We're protecting God's holiness. Sin cannot be around God's holiness. And this is just a little tidbit that I like literally geek out about. But cherubim were actually actually stitched in the curtain of like 
the Holy of Holies. So when Jesus died on the cross and the curtain ripped from top to bottom, it was symbolic of the cherubim actually stepping back and saying, because of the blood of the lamb, you don't have to shed a lamb because Jesus's blood was shed for you. And now you can talk to God. That's why prayer is so cool. You can have communion with God. You can talk with him and you can be holy, not because of a lamb, not because a lamb was shed, but because the perfect lamb was shed for you and Jesus Christ died on the cross, which just is so cool to me how like God was literally in the details of all of it. Like it, it's so cool to me. So anyway, cherubim are in there. You're not holy. If you don't follow those rules, boom, you're, you're dead. And after a few hours, they would pull you out. So these people knew like, this is a very big deal to talk with God. And I think sometimes we take prayer, like we, we take prayer a little too lightly. Like, we don't realize, like, whoa, I actually have the opportunity to speak to God. Like, I actually get to talk to God. And that is so cool. It says, verse 11, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right of the altar of incense. Zacharias was troubled when he saw the angel, like we would all be. Let's be real here. Your girl would be huh, terrified. And fear gripped him. But angel said to him, don't be afraid. And I always think, like, every time an angel's like, don't be afraid, I immediately am like, do you think this is helping my fear? Like, I would still be afraid. But that's just me being human and me interacting with the passage. But he says, don't be afraid, Zacharias. And he immediately says, your petition has been heard. Oh my goodness, I could stop there. I could preach a whole, whole lesson, okay? Listen, your petition has been heard. Don't you ever think that one prayer don't you ever think that one prayer is not heard by God, that one petition, that one night. We have all had those nights when we have been crying, that we have been sobbing, where we're like, God, I'm at the end of myself. God, I don't know if you still want me to believe for this miracle. And God's like, I'm hearing you. I'm there with you. Your petition has been heard. And just because he didn't come down the second Zacharias made that petition does not mean he didn't hear it. It just meant that he was working on it. It just meant it wasn't time yet. And like, let's be, let's be real here. If it happened earlier, then John the Baptist would not have been there at the right time to prepare the way for Jesus. And then they wouldn't have been able to say, Hey, like, we're aunts and uncles of the Messiah and our son was able to do great things for the cause of Christ. And he actually like, everybody's looking at them. They're like, oh my goodness, you're good Christians. You're a ministry. Why are you waiting? Like you must've done something wrong. And God's like, uh, no, they're doing the right thing. I'm actually allowing them to be more a part of my kingdom work because of this waiting. And it's like, it just blows my mind. He says, your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son. You'll give him the name of John. Straight up and forward. So, like, I obviously, sometimes I'm just like, God, if you just told me, like, I would be fine. Like, if, if you just told me straight up when I'm going to get it, like, I'd be fine. But this story proves me wrong. Because Zacharias and me, we, uh, we're kindred spirits. Like, I just feel like that a part of me and Zacharias... Yeah, we would, we would be there together. And um, I used to look at it and be like, oh my goodness, Zacharias is so dumb. No, we've all been Zacharias before, okay? We have all been Zacharias before. God literally tells him, hey, you're going to have a son. And what does he say? He says, you're going to have joy and gladness. You're going to be happy. Finally, many will rejoice at his birth. He will be great in the sight of the Lord and he will drink no wine, liquor. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit while in his mother's womb. He will turn many of the sons of Israel back to the Lord their God. It is he who will go as a forerunner before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of fathers back to the children and, diso and the disobedient to the attitude of the righteous and to make ready a people prepare for the Lord. Whoa, 
whoa, so not just is your waiting season going to end. It's not just, hey, your waiting season is going to end, so it's going to reflect good on you, and for selfish purposes, you can be happy. Uh Uh-uh, your waiting season is going to end, and your son is going to do crazy things for the kingdom. What? Huh? And, and it's at this moment where it's like, hey, this is finally going to happen. God's heard your prayer. And, and your son's going to do amazingly for, for the kingdom. And Zachariah says, yeah, how will I know this for sure? So all of a sudden, every time I read that, I read the passage a little too fast. And now I understand why that was doubt, right? He goes, yeah, but how am I going to know this for sure? Like, I'm an old man and my wife, she's also old. Like, she's past childbearing years. Angel from the Lord comes down. And goes, you're going to have a son. He's going to do these amazing things. Prophesize over him. He goes, how am I going to know for sure? And I think so often we do this with God. I think so often we allow our disappointment to coat our thinking and to coat our faith. And whenever your view, whenever disappointment is the frame and the lens in which you view life, then all of a sudden, even if God is like, hey, this is it, even if God's like, this is your moment, then we're still going to view him in a disappointing lens. If you allow disappointment to be your lens, then you allow it to characterize God. And even when God says, hey, I love you and I've heard you and I'm going to give you this. You don't believe him because you allowed disappointment. You allowed disappointment to tell you who God was before you allowed God to tell you who he was. You allowed disappointment to characterize him. You allowed a waiting season, the absence of a material thing that you wanted, that you wanted to possess to say, this is who your God is and this is who your God that serves. Like, 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 and I do this too. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, girl, like, like, do not let your disappointment coat your faith. I want to be someone that when God says, yo, this is it. it. It's game time. It's time to show up that I'm like, oh my goodness, let's go. Because I believed in you. Because even though I waited for so long, even though this disappointment happened, I believe that you're good. I believe that you're God and I believe that you're faithful to your promises. But if we're not careful, then the disappointment's going to happen and we're going to get apathetic. The deal with being apathetic, I hear this all the time and people are like, well, I just don't care. Like, I just, okay, they hurt me. Well, I just don't care. Uh, they broke up with me. I just don't care. I'm just going to go loner. I'm just going to go ghost mode. I'm not, I'm not going to talk. I've, I've heard my guys' friends say, I'm not going to talk to any girls ever again. Next week. Guess who, what? Like, I found the best girl in my life. Anyway, but I do hear a lot of people who are like loners who are like, I'm just going to be a loner. And my girlfriends who are like, oh my goodness, like I'm going to be, I'm just never going to talk to a guy again. I'm in my independent girly phase. Okay, queen, let's see how long that's going to last. But the issue is apathetic hearts lead to um, hardened hearts. Apathetic hearts, whenever you get to where you're just like, yeah, I just don't care. Because you're, you want to numb the disappointment, but what you do is you also numb the faith. And so you want to numb the disappointment. You're like, okay, I'm going to stop this disappointment because I'm tired of trying. I'm tired of the disappointment. But then what you also do is you numb the expectancy that allows you to have great faith. Ooh, that's a word. That's a word that I'm going to need to hear. This is a word that I'm going to need to replay in this podcast because like I struggle with this too, y'all. Like I'm not saying I have all this together. I don't. Because there are times whenever I'm going and like I'll literally be just sobbing. I'm like, I don't have a boyfriend. Like I'm so sad. I'm I'm in a waiting season or whatever, right? And then there will be other days I'm doing great and I'm like lo- low key. Like I'm captivated. I'm captivated by God's love and I don't even want a boyfriend. Like I just I just love Jesus. And I think that it's just one of those things that when the disappointment hits, when that person rejects you, right? When that job doesn't work out, 
when whatever it is happens and you're like, oh wow, that was a rejection. Instead of going, oh my goodness, like God isn't good. He doesn't ever want me to have something. You check yourself and you go, "Uh uh-uh. Like what does God say he is? What is God What has God revealed that he has for me? What am I going to keep believing in? And regardless, at the end of the day, what do I know that I have in heaven? But I know he's a miracle maker. I know that he's a healer. I know that he's a restorer. So no matter, like if this, if this is not working out for me, I'm confident that maybe there's something else that will work out for me. I'm confident this is, so this is a quote that I got years ago and it has been my lifelong motto, okay? you have, it's something like, you're going to have to give up your minor league plans for yourself so that you can enter in to God's major league plans for yourself. There's nothing wrong with the minor leagues, right? Like, they're good plans. The best you can think could possibly happen are only minor league plans compared to God's major league plans for your life. And there are going to be times he's going to go, hey, I need you to give up your minor league plans, And you're going to go, no, I wanted to play minor leagues. I wanted to play baseball. I wanted to do that thing. I wanted to have that job, whatever it is. I wanted to do that, God. And he's going to go, I just need you to give it up. And you're not going to understand it. And it's going to be really confusing. And then you're going to give it up. And then he's going to go, oh, here are my major league plans. But you couldn't play minor league and major league at the same time. And all of a sudden, it's going to click into place. And you're going to go, oh, but he wanted me to step out in faith for something He wanted me to give him and sacrifice something good so that he could replace it with something great. But if we're just constantly disappointed, then what we're going to do is we're just going to reach for the thing that we can envision. We're not going to reach for the God thing because it's easier to envision and do it in our own strength for the thing that we can accomplish on our own than it is for the God thing. So I had a really cool like theology teacher, right? And she's so, I love this woman so much. Like I was actually at, um, church the other night like my old church and I was talking to two other girls who also knew her like she's like a theologian Sunday school teacher we're all talking about like all of these times that um we're talking about all of these times that this woman has impacted us like what a woman of God she is and she was saying every time in the old testament like she's talking about the old testament right she's like in the old testament there's a pattern of waiting and she's like and I find that just like in every single one of their pattern of waiting it applies directly to your life There's always a call to action or a prophecy that they're given of like, okay, this is going to happen in the future. No if, answer, buts, this is going to happen. She's like, then long period of waiting. To this day in my Bible, you will see call, waiting. Like I will literally like jot out the pattern. Then there's a long period of waiting. Then there's an option. There's a time that that person is met with the option to get the prophecy God promised to get a cheaper version of it in their own strength. And a good bit of the time, the person does it. The, the person leans in. And I think that some of it is because they think, well, maybe this is God's plan. Maybe God needs help. Bro, Sarah, her name was Sarai at the time, Abraham's wife. She's like, well, maybe just God needs a little bit of help. So I'm just going to do this. And like, he'll bless that. And how often do you guys, you're like, oh my goodness, like that person isn't perfect. I would maybe be settling a little for them, but like God just needs help. And this, this, this guy is just there or this girl is just there. And like, I mean, at least they like me back, but you know, it's not God's plan for you, but you're like, well, but maybe God just needs a little bit of help. Mm -mm. God doesn't need help because here's the thing about God's plan for your life. And I feel this so strongly when it's God's plan, it's going to be bigger than what you can get on your own strength. Whenever it's God's plan, it's going to enter into your lap and you're going to go, 
how in the world did this get here? Because there's literally no possible way it could have been here in my strength. Because the word says, when we are weak, we are, he is made strong. Okay. When in our weakness, he is made strong. He is magnified in our weakness, right? And so he's going to put us in scenarios and situations where we are weak. So he can go, oh yeah, and just like you were weak in that area, I was strong. And this situation showed my strength, right? So you don't need to help God. So in this whole process, right? So there's a call, there's a prophecy, then there's an option for them to get it in their own strength. And then if they do it, they like repent. You know what I'm saying? They repent from their sin. They realize, whoa, God, like I super messed up. And then they have to deal with the consequence of your own actions. They have to deal with the consequences of their own actions regardless. So like, don't think that if you're just like, oh no, I messed up. I can say I'm sorry and not have to deal with anything. Okay. But if you try to get it in your own strength, you're going to have to deal with the consequences of your own actions. And it's not going to be a lot of fun because I've had to deal with them before. It's not a lot of fun. Like, take it from me, guys. You don't want to do that. You, yeah, you, you don't want to do that. Um, so then after that, that call to action, and then you have the option for them to take it in their own strength, there's another long period of waiting time. Okay. So it's not just like, oh, there was a test and a long period of waiting time. And then they get the thing God calls. I think that this is so important because all my life I've heard, you'll get it when you're not looking for it the opportunity, the career, the person. You'll get it when you're not looking for it. You'll get it when God says you're ready. Uh Uh-uh. There are times when God prepares you. There are times when God says, okay, I'm preparing you. You passed this trial to let me know that you are ready. You showed me you were ready with your consistency, but I'm still making you wait. Why? I don't know. Maybe sometimes because the other person, because the other opportunity has to get to a point where they can hold that. Other times, I think it's really to test your commitment to your faith to see, okay, are you actually trusting and willing to follow Jesus at all costs? Is your faith, is your love for him dependent on him giving you that thing? That has been something that I feel like God's asked me a good bit is like, do you only love you if I give you that thing? Like, do you only love God if he holds up his end of like it's almost like you negotiated with God you're like I'm gonna love you God if you give me like x y or z and God's like okay like you just made that negotiation in your heart and your love is contingent upon something that I could give you but my love has never been contingent for you my love for you has never been contingent upon if you are perfect if you do all the right things like my love is quite literally unconditional And I think sometimes, like, it just breaks my heart thinking about, like, even the best form of love I can give him will never be perfect. And, like, I continue to make up conditions in my heart for him to, like, serve. And if he serves him, then I will be happy. And so it's at times like those where I say, like, thank you for making me wait. Thank you for making me not have those things. Because it actually allows me to praise you when I don't have it. It allows me to have even a glimpse of praising God unconditionally okay so back to the Zacharias verse I want to finish this like little story about the whole waiting thing because I feel like this just plays into waiting so well he says how will I know this for certain for I'm an old man my wife is advanced in years he characterized himself by the insecurity that he had he had made up this idea that he was waiting because he was too old that he was waiting because his body was unable not that he was waiting because God had actually allowed him to say, hey, I'm not going to let you have this yet. And then when he walks around, he was like, hey, I'm the old guy who doesn't have a kid. And I feel like that we sometimes characterize ourselves with our lack 
instead of characterizing ourselves with the multitude that we have in Christ. Like, (laughs) that was just something that, like, I realized in real time, which is crazy. But I think sometimes we go around, and if, like, for instance, if you feel like you're waiting for a husband, a wife, you go around, you're like, oh, well, I'm the single person. I'm always the single person. I'm characterized as a single person. No, you're the loved person. You're the person who was chosen and adopted by God. Like, yeah, you're single, okay, but that doesn't mean you lack any love. That doesn't mean you lack any power in the Holy Spirit. It's like you don't have the job that you want, right? And you're like, oh, well, I don't have the job that I want. But it's like you're not the unemployed person. You're the person that God is preparing to make way for something special, for something great. And, like, I don't know. I really just feel like I want you guys to hear me say that. Um, And low-key, like, this is just a shorter podcast episode but I really want to end with this verse, and it's Isaiah 60, 22, and it's, when the timing is right, I, the Lord, will make it happen. Fast. Keyword, fast. When the timing is right, I, the Lord, will make it happen fast. Whenever it is God's timing, it's going to be better than whatever you could handle, and so I think that's why God makes us wait, because, like, if we try to do it ourselves, there's so often that we would innately choose the wrong timing. Like, we would be like, I want it now, and you would end up choosing the wrong timing. And and God's like, no. Like, I, I don't want you to have that yet. Like, think about whenever you're cooking food, right? Whenever I think of waiting. It's so, like, I think some of us put more trust in Chipotle than we trust in our God. Whenever Chipotle says, hey... Like, you order the steak bowl, because I'm ordering that steak bowl. You know what I'm saying? They're like, hey, you're going to have to wait an extra five minutes for your steak bowl. And you're like, yeah, but I, uh, you're not going to go up and say, no, I'll take it now. I don't believe that you're going to cook it. I don't believe you're going to give it to me. No, you're going to say, okay, I'll be at this table over here. And they'll say, we'll bring it out when it's ready. And then you put trust in that chef to cook you food. But why aren't you putting trust in God whenever he's like, hey, I place this desire in your heart and I've confirmed it in my word, and I've confirmed it through other people, it'll be ready in a minute, and it'll be fresh, like, that's the thing, whenever you are waiting on something, typically, it's fresh whenever it's done, like, it's ready whenever it's done, but you have to wait for it to be prepared, like, yeah, you could settle, and I'm sorry for the Chipotle users who are chicken people, okay, but, like, you could settle for the crusty chicken that's been sitting there all day, or you could have the steak that's been freshly cooked, freshly prepared, But do you know how, like, I would look at you like you're insane if you're like, no, I'll take the raw steak. Are you kidding me? And yet that's what you're saying to God in your heart all the time. That's what I say to God in my heart. Yeah, no, I just want it now. Like, God, if you could just do it now. And he's like, wow, you really want me to lower the plan I have for you? You have no clue the plans I have for you. And if you knew the plans, if you knew it was going to be that great steak, and you could think about yourself enjoying that steak, and you would only have to wait a little bit longer, you wouldn't care about how much time you have to wait. Because the truth is, the whenever the plan is so good, whenever the miracle is so good, and whenever you truly believe that, it doesn't matter how long you have to wait, you're going to wait for it. There are things that I've waited for far longer. I remember I waited to get a dog for like eight years because my one of them passed away. She was old whenever I was young. And I waited every night. I prayed for like eight years. I prayed for a dog. And when the time was right, I was like, I got the best dog ever. But she wasn't born until eight years after I started praying, which is a silly example, right? But legit, the Chipotle thing is such a real thing. Like, 
in best possible terms, let him cook. Like, let him work your miracle. Don't just settle for something that's like, okay, but it's been sitting out the whole time. And you know that's not really your thing, but you just don't want to wait. So you just take it to go. And I think so often of us, the people who are waiting for God to cook that steak, metaphorically speaking, right, are sitting there and they're waiting for God to cook their steak and they see the people who are walking out with like the crusty chicken. Can I just tell you, just because somebody is getting the thing that you want does not mean they are getting the fullness of their promise. Some of them are. Some of them were just in line before you (laughs) and they just got it, right? Or they ordered a different thing. But then some of them, are walking out because they would rather have the faster option, not the better option. And so I just want to empower you. Get excited because at the end of the day, okay, I'm not going to talk about Hannah because I talked about Zacharias and said, at the end of the day, for John the Baptist to be born, Zacharias had to go through a waiting season. Before Joseph could go to the palace, he had to be in a waiting season. Before Jesus was able to come, there were 14, I believe, generations of silence. Before Samuel the prophet was born, there was a waiting season. Before Isaac was born, Abraham had a waiting season. So don't you dare get disappointed when you're in a waiting season. Get excited because God's about to work a miracle. And if you continue following him, if you continue being righteous, you will see the fruit of the waiting season that's about to come. But can I just tell you, if you're in the middle of settling and you know, and this podcast is is reaching you and you're like, oh my goodness, like I am so... I am so settling right now and I don't want to settle. Give it up. Because sometimes if you know that you're you're settling, that you're low-key just like chilling out in the minor leagues and you know God has a major league for you, a major league type of plan, do not be afraid. I, I had a friend recently and she gave up something that was really good in her eyes, but she knew it wasn't God's ultimate plan. And it was really, really hard for her. And she really didn't know why God was calling her to do it, but she gave it up and it was really hard. And then afterward, she, she was talking to me and she was like, oh my goodness, like I feel like a breath of fresh air because now I know that I'm open to receive what God has for me. Cause what you don't understand too, is like whenever you're living in those good plans, but they're not like God plans that you have, then you're also presenting yourself from being able to hold those God plans, which is so Literally so good. So I just hope to empower you. This waiting season does not mean that you're in a bad spot with life, that God's trying to punish you. Maybe, just maybe it means that God has something up your sleeve that you're not going to be ready for. So I just want to encourage you with that today. And I hope you have an amazing Tuesday. This is coming out for Tuesday. I'm also live streaming this. So if you don't already follow me on TikTok, totally do that because sometimes I release podcast episodes early. And I will see you guys next Tuesday. I hope you have an amazing day on the No Haters Club podcast. And um, yeah, be 100% originally you because you need to impact people that God has placed in your life for a reason. So anyway, y'all are swag. I love you guys to death. Jesus loves you more. And peace out. I'll see you guys later. So catch me if I fall.